How is everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Um, next week, they'll probably. This is probably going to be an announcement, and I'm stealing it. But next week, the uh, we fall back. So I don't know how many people are excited about that or mad about that because that means that we got to spring forward later. But um, next week is when when that happens. Um, well, I want to start with a story. So it was probably about 16 years ago. It was fall, and a buddy of mine, his name's Mike Black. He's a principal in Miamisburg. He called me and said, hey, would you mind coming over and helping me put a new floor in my kitchen? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll, I'll head on down. So I went there on a Saturday. We were working on putting the floor in, and I got there early, and he found out that his father-in-law was going to drive from Michigan to come help as well. And so we decided, let's try to get it all done before he gets there. We'll look really good. We'll be able to pat ourselves on the back. And so we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we get working on the floor. We get the refrigerator, get it out, get the stove, get it out. We start laying this laminate floor. And it's going great. We get all of it done. We get the trim. We put the trim in, and it's looking great. So then we go get the stove, we bring it, put it in, good to go. We go get the refrigerator, you got to be real careful you don't mess up that floor you just put in, right? So we're kind of trying our best to kind of shimmy it over there without damaging the floor. We get it right over, and this in the kitchen, there was cabinets here, cabinets here, cabinets at the top. And we started to slide it back, and it wouldn't fit. See, we had raised the, you know, the, the, the flooring was like half of an inch tall, and so by the time we did that, the refrigerator now, it wouldn't fit in the spot. Well, I actually think if you read much of the Bible, you would see that that actually describes perfectly what God says about mankind. Is we started off in the garden, and it, these symbols, these signs here are really to tell the story of the whole Bible. And in the very beginning, God created everything. He created it perfect. He created it wonderful. We're with God in the garden. Everything's good. Well, then Genesis chapter 2. A serpent comes and says, you know, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and Adam and Eve choose to disobey, and so they do. And what happens, the result is they're, they're removed from the garden. The Bible teaches in Romans that through one man, through Adam, sin came to all people. So now every single person that ever lives were born separated from God. In a way, what it is is that we're like that refrigerator that has been removed, and now it doesn't fit. So how do we, as people get into a right relationship with God? How do we, as this refrigerator, that's, that's annoying, how does, the, how does the refrigerator slide back into a relationship with God? I think we all, according to the Bible, find ourselves in the same situation as, as that refrigerator that doesn't fit in its design spot. So there Mike and I are, we're trying to decide what do we do about this? We come up with a couple options. Option number one Let's just not worry about it. Let's just leave the refrigerator out in the middle of the room. Clearly, that's not going to work, right? But I think biblically, um, the Bible would describe that really that's kind of what some, of, some people do. I don't really know how to get back into a right relationship with God, so I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it, and that's good enough. Just leave the refrigerator where it's at. I think other people... Um, decide, you know, that's probably not the best option here, so why don't I, um, why don't we remove that upper cabinet? We could have done that, right? We could have taken that upper cabinet out, the, fr the refrigerator is going to slide right in there, but it's not going to be the way that it was designed to. We were going to change the whole design, the whole look of the kitchen if we remove that upper cabinet, but I think in our relationship with the Lord, sometimes we do that. We're like, well, let's just not think about it. Let's just do the easiest thing. Let's not think about what it looks like to have a relationship with God. 
Let's not worry about it. Or what they'll do is they'll kind of redesign the kitchen. And I can say before, before I became a Christian, this is what I did. I just, I came up with my own rules. So if you, if you don't drink, if you don't cuss, well, actually, you know what? You can drink, just not a lot. Okay, no, you can drink a lot, but not all the time. And I just kept re, redefining what it meant to, to have a relationship with God, to be a good person. I, I kind of just removed the upper cabinet. Well, Mike and I begin thinking, and he's like, you know what? We need cabinet space. There's like six cabinets in this whole kitchen. We need this cabinet. We can't remove the cabinet. We've got to come up with another choice. So Mike and I start kind of putting our heads together, and we're like, you know what we could do? We could just get a different refrigerator. We could just kind of add to what we have here, new refrigerator, slide it right in. And I think that we do that in our relationship with the Lord. We think, well, if I just add the right things to my life, and I'm going to start going to church, and I'm going to start helping old ladies cross the street, and I'm going to start giving some money to church, and I'm going to, I'm going to start doing all these different things, and we kind of think that if we do that, the refrigerator is going to be put right back where it's supposed to. We will be in a right relationship with God. We'll be right standing with God. Well, Mike and I were thinking about this, and he said, you know what, I've, we can't do that. I'm like, well, why can't we just get a new refrigerator? Why can't we just add to what we have here? And he says, well, because I don't have enough money to buy said refrigerator. And I think really, biblically, we, we, we can add as much as we want into our lives to try to make ourselves better people, but it's not going to be enough. We don't, we don't have the amount of money. We don't have the amount of good deeds to make ourselves good enough to slide right back into this right relationship with God, right? So there Mike and I are. We're thinking, okay, number one, we can't remove the cabinet. That's not going to be the best option. We can't add a new refrigerator. That's not going to be the best option. So then we, what else can we do? And I will admit, my idea was, well, we could cut the cabinet. He's like, well, what do you mean we cut the cabinet? And I said, well, you know, if you're familiar with the cabinet, the cabinet front is like a little bit bigger than the actual cabinet, right? So I'm like, you know, here's what we do. We're going to get a, a, a level. We're going to get a pencil. We're going to lay it out. We're going to mark it, and then we'll just cut it. And then, then the refrigerator will slide right in there, right? Great idea. So we decided to get a circular saw. By the way, probably not best tool for this. So we're holding a circular saw up like this. Of course, we didn't have safety goggles because why do you need those? We were young and dumb. So we're cutting sawdust just blasting us in the face. And we cut it, but you have to stop before you get over to this cabinet because if you go too far, you're going to cut this cabinet. And so then we, we get it over, and then we switch it. We go this way, get it over, but then there's still these, like, big chunks on each side. So we're like, okay, now what we're going to do, we'll get a hammer, we'll get a chisel, and we'll just chisel it all out. And we do that, and it looks perfect, so we think. And it slides right in, right? We, we fixed it. But, but really, you'll see in a minute, we didn't. But I think we do this in our relationship with the Lord, too. We start to think, if I just cut the right things out of my life, then I'll fit back in that relationship with God. If I stop cussing, if I stop watching R-rated movies, and we, we come up with all of these things, that if I just stop doing all of these things, then it'll be okay. I'll be right with God, and he'll have to accept me. He'll have to feel like I'm a good person. Well, there we are in the kitchen, cut cabinet, refrigerators tucked back in, and knock on the door, and it's Mike's father-in-law. He comes in, and he's looking down because we put a floor in, right? So he's looking down, and he's like, wow, you guys did a pretty good job. I like how you did this cut here. And, man, you even thought to put an extra, you know, piece of baseboard underneath the kitchen cabinets so that way it covers the gap. Like, yeah, you guys did a pretty good. And he looks at us, looks back at the cabinet. Can I ask you a question? And we're like, yeah. Did you cut the cabinet? Yeah, 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 but, but 
bear with us. You know, we had three options. We could, we could remove the cabinet. It wasn't the best idea. We could add a new refrigerator. Can't afford it. We could cut the cabinet. That was the best option. That's what we did. And he said, can I ask you another question? Yeah. Why didn't you just lower the refrigerator? And we said, what? 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 He goes, um, the designer of the refrigerator knew that this might happen. So he made a way that all you have to do is lower the refrigerator. And we're like, so confused. <laughs> Give me a flathead. So we go over, get a flathead screwdriver, bring it back to him. He gets down on one knee and he goes, see this little spot right here? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, watch this. Just a little half a turn and the refrigerator just, just lowers. Mike and I were standing there feeling like we had done a good job, right? We cut enough out. It looked the way that it was supposed to be. We the design, it was originally designed, the refrigerator would be here. That's how it was designed, but, but it wasn't. It, had, it came out, and we were trying to put it back in. We cut the cabinet. It fits just right. But within 30 seconds of him being in that kitchen looking, he realized that it didn't actually work. And I think when we see in our own lives or in other people's lives where we're just cutting stuff, we're just, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. And you look, and they feel like, and, and when I was in that situation, I felt like I'm in a right relationship with God. Other people can look and can see, I don't know. Well, the thing is, is the Bible teaches that God, the Father, knew that this might happen. He knew that it would happen. So the creator had a design, had a plan in the design that people could be like that refrigerator put right into the relationship with the Lord. The Bible teaches all the way in James chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God knew in the very beginning of time that we would be removed from this relationship with God. He knew that there had to be a way for us to get back and us simply cutting, adding, or removing the thought of it would not fix the problem. That's why Jesus came, to fix that problem. And what's so cool is Jesus, he says that same thing all throughout his time on earth. He says, um, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. So the only way that refrigerator gets back into that spot is by the design, by putting trust and faith in the designer of the refrigerator. And the same thing for us to be in a right relationship with God. The only way that it happens is through us putting our hope and trust in the designer's plan. And Jesus is that designer's plan. Well, all that's great, right? That's what's happening. The, again, these banners are to tell the story of the Bible. And so God creates everything. Man falls. There's a problem, right? How do we get back in a right relationship with God? And the whole Old Testament points to one day something's going to happen that's going to fix this problem. And it's Jesus. Well, then we pick up and we've been in the book of Acts. And so what happens is these disciples begin telling everybody. Jesus has died and he has risen. And so they begin telling everybody, like, the way to get back into the right relationship with the Lord. Lord, it's not that you cut. It's not that you add. It's that, that you you trust the designer's plan. You tr put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, and that gets you into that right relationship with God. They're telling everybody this, and all's going well. People, both Jews and Gentiles, are accepting Jesus in their life, and they're, they're putting their faith in him and their trust in him, and, 
But then, in Acts chapter 15, some what are known as Judaizers, some people come down to Antioch, come up over what I can't picture it on the map, but they come to Antioch and they start saying, Paul and Barnabas are wrong. Salvation, you do not receive salvation simply by trusting the designer's plan. There's more than that. You must be circumcised. You must be cut. You must, and then it goes on and it says, you must add to, and, and it says that the Pharisees said it's necessary to circumcise and to keep the law. And so salvation, the argument that happens in Acts 15 is salvation is not simply through trusting in Christ. You must also cut and you must also add. What they're kind of saying is, for us, as we were sliding this refrigerator, yeah, we could have lowered it, but we also would have needed to cut the cabinet, and we also would have needed to put a new refrigerator in there. Like, it would add to it. It doesn't really make sense, right? And so there becomes this big debate. How is it that one can receive salvation? Is it simply through trusting the designer's plan, or do you need to add and do you need to cut? Paul and Barnabas get into a rather large argument with these guys who have come from Judea to say, you must do all of these things. And they can't come to an agreement. So Paul and Barnabas decide, you know what we need to do? We need to go back to Jerusalem. We need to go back to the original disciples, the apostles, the elders, and let's get this group of people together and let's talk about this and let's figure out how is it that we actually receive salvation? Let's make sure that we're all on the same page. So, so they travel to Jerusalem to do this, and then we'll pick up in verse 6, Acts chapter 15, verse 6. This is what the Bible says, and you can, you can keep your finger in it. I'm going to read some, we'll talk about some, and then we'll come back into it. We'll kind of go back and forth a little bit. So, Acts chapter 15, verse 6. So the apostles and the elders are gathered together to consider this matter. So here we go. We got Barnabas, we got Paul, we got a group of other people, and, the, and then we got the people in Jerusalem. We got the disciples, we got the apostles. We're all hanging out in the same room talking. How is it that we receive salvation? So then Peter stands up. There's much debate. So Peter stands up and he says, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by the mouth of the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through Jesus. Excuse me. We'll be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. And so we stop there. And really what's happening is this. There's this big debate, right? And Peter stands up. And what Peter says is, look, I, believe, I agree with Paul and Barnabas. Salvation is simply by trusting in Christ, the designer of the plan, and it, we get into that right relationship with God. What Peter's saying is, listen, it's not that we must also be circumcised, that these Gentiles must also be circumcised. It's not that they must add to themselves good deeds. It's not like you and I, that we do enough good things, that we cut enough out of our life to have a right relationship with God. The only way we come into a right relationship with God is simply through Christ. What Peter is saying in this is salvation is by grace through faith. That's it. And you can see it in, in verse um, 9. He says that, that God cleansed their hearts by faith. And then in verse 
um, 11, it says that they will be saved through the grace just as we will. And so what's first and foremost happening in this text is they're saying exactly what we had talked through so far is that salvation is by grace through faith. It's trusting the designer's plan. It's not that plus something else. But that I think if we're honest, we don't live like that. We begin really thinking that, you know, if I am doing this, I'm not doing this, God is mad at me. God is not accepting of me. We begin to kind of say salvation is not just because of Christ, but it has something to do with the work that I do too. But in this text, they're saying that's not the case. Salvation comes through Christ, through, by grace, through faith. Well, all that's good, right? And then it gets a little bit more complicated. You don't have to keep the law to get salvation. You trust in Christ. You don't have to be circumcised, you trust in Christ. But then, um, the text says in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, and the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done, um, done through them among the Gentiles. So, so Paul and Barnabas are sharing the stories of what all has happened, right? They're sharing stories of how people accepted Christ, and their lives were powerfully changed in an instant. I think what he's saying is very similar to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Peter is, is agreeing with this. Peter is saying, yeah, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. We were all like that refrigerator that was just stuck outside, right? And then what happens? We were dead in that. You know, the refrigerator, when, we, when Mike and I were working on that, the refrigerator couldn't have said, oh, thanks for getting that hole ready. Let me go get over in the, in the slot, right? The refrigerator's dead. It doesn't move. It can't move. In the same way, we, in, before Christ, we were dead in our trespasses. And so Peter's agreeing with what Paul will write in Ephesians when he says, but God, although we were dead, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he, God, might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast. Peter is saying, I agree with Barnabas and with Paul, salvation is by grace and grace alone. It is through faith and through faith alone. It's not the work that we do that gets us in a right standing with God. And then James, like I said, stands up. And James says something that, that is actually pretty confusing. He says, after he finished speaking, this is verse 13, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon, or Peter, has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. 
And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, say the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. And let's stop there for a second. First off, let me tell you this. The reason why this microphone is doing this is because this one's old. And the reason that we're using this one is because I broke the new one that we bought for me to use, everybody to use. And then Joe graciously fixed it. And then last week I broke it again. So <laughs> when you hear these annoying pops, it's my fault. Um, we got a new microphone. Joe came up to me to switch it, and I said, no, I got this one. It'll be fine. It's not fine, so my bad. But what James is saying in that first part is, look, I agree. Salvation is by grace through faith, and it's of God's doing. That's why he keeps saying, and he will do this, and he will do this, and he will do this. So we're all good, right? That is really what Acts 15 is telling us, that by grace through faith is how salvation happens. But then he says something that really is like, what? He says this. He says, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had every city those who proclaim him, for he is read in every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so what gets really weird here is, okay, salvation comes by grace. But he begins to say, we don't have to do the law. We don't have to be circumcised. But let's write to them to abstain from blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, it's kind of like he's saying, you're not, you don't have to live up to the law, but here's a law for you. And I don't know if you're like me, but as you read this, it's kind of almost confusing because you're like, okay, it's just by grace, but now you're saying that we need to abstain from certain things. And, and in my mind, some of it makes sense, like so abstain from sexual immorality, I get that. Abstain from, from things sacrificed to an idol, that's to, so different than our culture. I'm kind of like, well, what's that really mean? From, stay away from things that have been strangled and stay away from blood, and it's kind of like, well, what, what does all this mean? Well, I think what he's doing is he actually is saying there is a law. But it's not a law that we, we must live under to get salvation, but it is once we are saved, our lives should look a certain way. I think it's, it's him saying, look, when God, by his grace, has taken you and put you in that right relationship with God, our lives should reflect that. So he's not saying that there's a law that, that um, we must do to be saved, but he's saying once you are saved, here's something for you to know. And I think what he's actually saying here, although we read it and we read these things that seem interesting, like what is he talking about here? In this day and age, the Gentiles and their culture, it was very normal for them to do all sorts of crazy stuff. That the Jews didn't, it didn't make any sense to the Jews. That the Jews thought were so unbelievably wrong that these people would do it, it caused this rift between Jews and Gentiles. So really I think what James is saying here is there is a law when, once we have been saved, there is a law, and the law is that we should begin to look like Jesus. If you really think about what Jesus looked like on earth, the first thing that comes to my mind is the verse that says that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. What Jesus' life looked like was a life of love, a life of self-sacrifice, and I think what James is saying here is we should encourage those who have been saved that their life should look like Jesus. Their life should be that of self-sacrifice. Their life should be laid down for God and for other people. 
Because when the Jews, when the, excuse me, when the Gentiles were doing these things, it was confusing to the, to the Jews. And it was a stumbling block for them to accept Jesus. And so I really think what's going on in this is that God, that, that James is saying faith, uh, by faith through grace, yes. But I think what, what, what he's saying is exactly what he goes on to write about in James chapter 2. That faith has action. James chapter 2 says this. Starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? He's not saying that, that your works give salvation. He's saying once you have been saved, there should be a result. And the result is that that faith that you have changes you. So he goes on and says, Can faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and in daily, lacking daily food? And one says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need so that the body... Uh, for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, um, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What, what James is, is adding to it, he's saying, yes, it's by grace, through faith, but there is a law. The law is not that you must, you know, keep the ceremonial of the law. You mu- it's not saying that you need to be circumcised, but what it's saying is there is a law, and the law is to love one another. So the way that I would say it is this, is, is there's, there's kind of things that are happening in this text. The first one is salvation is by grace through faith, but once you are saved through faith, by the Spirit, we lay down our lives for Him and for one another. Romans um, chapter 13, verse 8, is a verse that I love. They want to record. Let's pray. For real, for real, let's pray. God, um, you are so good. Um, I just pray that you will um, work through the distractions, not only in my mind and in my heart, but in all of ours, to truly understand what this text is saying, because really this text um, holds the key for us truly understanding you. So God, as we pick back up, pray that you will um, you will open our hearts, open our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're done listening to the popcorn pop. All right. So the text, I really think, is about two separate things. One, that salvation is by grace through faith. But the second part is this, is once we have been saved, through faith, by the Spirit, we are to lay down our lives for him and for others. Romans 13, 8, like I started to say, is a verse that I love and absolutely hate. Romans 13, 8 says this, Owe no one anything. Basically, don't be in debt to anyone. Except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
What he's saying is this, is we should not be in debt, but there is a continued, continued debt that all of us have to love one another for those of us who have been saved. For those of us who have been redeemed, who've been transformed. You know, and I, I, as I was thinking through the ramifications of this text, you know, I think that um, so often we kind of, in the church, almost just tell people one thing that, you know, if you just... Um, just believe in God, right? Just believe in God and, and you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart and you confess by your mouth, you'll be saved. And so what we kind of do is, is we come to people and we say, hey, do you believe that there was a guy named Jesus? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Do you believe that he died? Well, yeah, everybody will die. So yeah, sure, Jesus died. Do you believe that he rose again? And it's kind of like, that's, that's kind of hard to believe that some dude came back to life, but we're like, yeah, I'll buy that. Yep, so there's a guy named Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose. I believe that. Great, I'm saved. I get to go to heaven. But I think that there's so much more than that. I don't think that we just believe that Jesus died, that he rose. I think we need to believe what that means for us. Because if we just believe that there was a guy who died and he rose again, like that's kind of cool. But if we be begin to realize that through that death on the cross, the ramifications of that is that we are saved, we're redeemed, we're rescued. There was a wall of hostility between us and God, and that wall has been removed. If we begin to understand that through that death on the cross, those who are far off have been brought near. If we begin to understand that, that means that we are forgiven past, present, and future sins. If we begin to understand that that means at that moment we were bought. If we be, begin to understand that that means that we were adopted from this world to adopted as children of God. If we begin to understand that we were given the spirit, that we've been transformed, and now the spirit will guide us, will lead us. If we begin to understand that now, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. If we understand in Christ there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that we are a new creation then salvation does something. like That, that changes you from the inside out. And it puts us under this, this, this law to love one another. Um, I think saving faith is more than just believing that he lived, he died, and he rose. But when we have been saved, when we recognize all that God has done for us, it should radically and drastically change us and make us willing to go out to love one another and to not want to put a stumbling block before a brother or sister in Christ. To want to be careful how we live, to lay down our lives for one another. And really, I think that Acts 15, that's what's happening in this text. So let me kind of close. I want to ask you, where do you, where do you think you are today? Have you ever really got to a point to where you understood that you in your own power, can't get into a relation, into that spot where the refrigerator was designed to be. You can't get into a relationship with God on your own. My hope is that, that you have. And I think that there are some people who what we do is we just kind of just leave the refrigerator in the, in the kitchen because it's, we just don't want to think about it. But if that is you, the kitchen looks so crazy because the refrigerator is just sitting there. It's not where it's designed to be. Maybe you're here and if you're honest, you're kind of just gone through life removing the cabinet. You're kind of just trying to redefine what it means to be right before God's eyes. My hope is that you see that in this text that that's not, that's not going to do it. And maybe um, 
you kind of are adding to, right? And you're trying to, I'm just going to be a better person. That's going to work. And it's, it's not. You don't have enough good in you to make it. And so maybe you're how I was for years of my life. I'm just going to cut out these specific things. I'm going to try to redefine how I get into this relationship with God. I can tell you it doesn't work. My hope and my prayer is, is that all of us, that we, we see that from the very beginning of time, the author and perfecter, the designer, made a way for us to be in a right relationship with him. That it's by his grace through faith. And for those of us who have put, placed our faith in Christ, and although we were dead, we were made alive and put into this right spot with God, my hope and my prayer is that when people look at us, they would see Jesus. Not because we're trying hard, but because we're yielding to the Spirit. Because we're denying ourselves, we're taking up our cross. It's easy to kind of think, okay, salvation is just from God, but once I have salvation, now I need to really, 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 really work hard. And that's not even true either. What we really do is just get out of the way. So we deny ourselves, we take up the cross, we yield to the Spirit. Paul said he beat his body into submission to God. We run the race, we press on toward the goal, we let the light shine. The light, if we have Christ and we have the Spirit, there is a light in us. And all we do is get out of the way so it shines. Rather than doing what we oftentimes can do is get in its way. Um, I think... To truly understand the grace of God radically changes us. Um, when we begin to really understand that we are like that refrigerator stuck out in the middle of the kitchen, that apart from God, we're not getting right back into that spot with God. When we see that that has happened, it changes us. Let's pray. God, I um, pray that through the distractions your word is understood. I pray that um, anything that was of me or any part that I was unclear, even as I was distracted, I pray that you would remove that and that um, we would truly grasp the power of this text. That Pray, God, that for anyone here who's, who's really just working to try to make you happy, they would understand that you are already madly in love with them. And I pray that today would be a day that they begin to understand that salvation is by grace through faith. And God, for anybody here who says, you know, yeah, I prayed that prayer, I'm good to go, we would understand that there's more to it than that. That when the Spirit is within us, when we receive salvation, and we just need to get out of the way, and, and, and live to the law of love. So God, I pray that for myself, I pray for other people here today who know you, who are walking with you. God, you'll just help us to, to yield to you. That when people look to us, they would see you, not because of our work, but because of the spirit that you gave us. Pray it in Jesus' name.